What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fifth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside the one and only Eric Marchin. Uh, that's Eric Marchin, the new dragon, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo <laughs> story. <sequel>. Yeah, story. <laughs> Colon. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I mean, you're getting over a bit of a cold. Hey, I just want to take another look at you. <laughs> oh, killed it! I'm like I've been doing that uh, Bradley Cooper impersonation. I hope it was probably just as awful as I thought it was going to be. If I was um, in the room with you, I would swear it was him. But my voice was raspy this week, you know. So I was like, you know what? I gotta go for this. <laughs> you sound just... more like Andrew Lincoln um, from The Walking Dead. So I was walking around my house, kind of going, "Hey, is one no little gadget." <laughs> Um, all week and saying that to Nevis all the time. So I probably drove her nuts, but we kept laughing at that. Um, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm just getting over a cold. I had a, a, right after we recorded our four hour epic, uh, longer than the Lord of the Rings return of the it was King about the length of edition. a netflix miniseries <laughs> yeah uh tiff recap i started to go oh man i'm not feeling too great and nevis came down with a cold and um uh i got it right after and i think i was just worn down from the festival and i i feel like everyone gets those like con colds and stuff like that when you go to a convention or a festival where you're in uh close uh quarters with a a, a ton of people um usually it sometimes so. even happens during the festival like well, i'm glad it didn't yeah i hate that i've never gotten sick during tiff i don't think i got food poisoning once did you yeah just shit your brains out well, everywhere. i sure did it was nothing <laughs> but the crackers Scotiabank, for me the scotiabank washroom <laughs> just tearing it up it just didn't know what hit had to it. go up those stairs or into those let me just tell that. you the porcelain did not win that day my friends jesus christ <laughs> uh but yeah i wasn't feeling too hot so i kind of just chilled out i uh was relaxing at home i didn't really do all that much i i finished watching the uh spider-man film so i watched amazing spider-man um and amazing spider-man were promises made to be broken um um, they were. Um, they're something. <laughs> they're very forgettable. Both God, Andrew Garfield is such a horrible even, Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it, as a person, like, like as Peter yeah, Parker. Yeah, he's, he's a, a dick bag kind of. Like, um, you know what? There's elements in Amazing Spider-Man Two where he's just being Spider-Man that are okay, but then those are so outdone by Tom Holland doing that in in right in um uh uh, homecoming that like it just it kind of makes it irrelevant and those movies will just i think be forgotten over time and he's just he's too cool or trying to be too cool to be peter parker too um, cool for school and i don't know so i watched those i played i was on a spider-man kick i guess so i when i was sick i just sat on my ass and played spider-man ps4 which i kept tweeting about during the festival so i finally got around to that and um Man, shout out to Sony because as much as they don't always kill it with their film lineup, um, their video game lineup for their first party stuff on PlayStation is always um, amazing. And I feel like with I talk about Last of Us nonstop, but they have the Uncharted games. They just had God of War earlier this year and now with Spider-Man um, and they had Horizon and, and, and tons of great cinematic um, story rich games. Um Spider-Man was fantastic, man. It was a really cool interpretation a little bit later in Spider-Man's kind of um, uh, career. He's like eight years into his career and things like that. And um, they take some twists and turns based on characters you you know or some characters that you don't lo- know. Like the, the main villain is Mr. Negative. 
um, which have you ever heard of that Spider-Man villain? No, yeah. I have not. So, and the main villain is Mr. Negative, and it's he's kind of interesting because they chose someone that you're not super familiar with, but then there's also the Sinister Six in the game. and Kingpin, uh, you were talking Kingpin about. Kingpin opens the game, and like I don't want to spoil too much in case people haven't um, played it, but they play with some Spider-Man characters and how they um, integrate into uh, Peter's story really, really cool in cool ways. And it was surprisingly emotional, like much more than i mean i've just been watching all these spider-man movies and i i I still think uh homecoming is one of the best mcu marvel movies i think it's the best best spider-man movie and then this is a close it's up there with that and some of the best comic runs of being a really really good interpretation of the character and I, i suggest people who who are like if you're listening to this and you're you're not a gamer but like uh, you can play some of these games on the easiest settings, which is like baby mode, to just kind of get through the story. And you're talking about someone like me who doesn't play yeah, video like games. Yeah, like you could put it on – they have like almost like a story mode right. where you're basically just playing it to go through the story. And you're kind of figuring out easy. how to sort of uh, yeah, maneuver and yeah, work the and controller. Like, but it may, and it's so fun to just swing around Spider-Man in New York. And like it, it like you could just lose yourself for hours. So um, And I did. I played it for an obscenely long time over the last week or so. Well, um, you had that itch at, during TIFF because well, that's I've been when it came out, it, yeah. right? I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And I remember playing those games on PS2 when Spider-Man 2 for PS2 came out. And or it might have even been PS1. And then... Uh, I have memories of um, when I was a, a teenager, Ultimate Spider-Man was more of like a cell-shaded version of Spider-Man, came out for PlayStation, and I uh, used to go to my friend's house, and we used to get stoned and just get Taco Bell and um, and just play, like swing around the city in Ultimate Spider-Man for hours, so... Um, um, that was always funny. Before having and, to go to the bathroom. Yes, and now you can <laughs> legally do that soon because that'll be legal in two weeks. So. What, taking a dump? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's what I've been up to. I haven't been watching all that much. Like, I didn't go to the movies. Like, I usually do this like after TIFF. I mean, this podcast is forcing me to kind of go out and um at least see one a week see something because or else i probably wouldn't have gotten off my ass so i did see uh the house with a clock in its walls (laughs) matt's laughing because we've been we've been reappropriating the title uh for the past couple hours yeah Um, and it makes we should also mention we're in a makeshift situation i was gonna say we're at my parents house in oshawa i just did the show with you we did cinema scene on for rogers tv and uh instead of going back downtown to our usual podcast studio which is my um uh kitchen island yeah. in toronto uh we're at my parents house right now so if you hear any weird sounds of like i almost knocked over a china cabinet or my cat my parents cat or the landline ringing that might happen so right. who knows but but it might add um, into the the soundscape of it all exactly so yeah man just been hanging out uh did you say yeah man or meow man <laughs> meow man um just been hanging out you know uh i haven't really been doing much my brain's not completely working yet um uh, what about you? What have you been up to? I mean, I, I weirdly enough, didn't get sick. Um, I mean, I felt the tiff fatigue. We spent enough time together. I thought you would have, like, um, no, all I, that making out we yeah, did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It got hot and heavy, and I mean hot and heavy. Um, no, for the most part, I've been a little tired, as you do post-tiff. Um, but I've had to keep kind of in the swing of things because of, uh, Roger's, uh, reviews and just wanting to get out and just try to see a movie and use my scene points and stuff like that, or go to press screenings. Um, so like the day after the festival was over, which is the day we recorded the four hour. Yeah. I saw the Glenn Close star, the wife and, 
Um, since then, I've been trying to at least see one or two movies uh, either uh, every day or, or within the week. Um, I bought uh, Bad Boys 1 and 2 on 4K, so I went through those. They, did you? I did. I did. Oh, uh, they look great on 4K. Uh, first one's still fine for what it is, Michael Bay's first film. From... I have a soft spot for both of those movies. I like the first one because it's also interesting just to see that Michael Bay has not progressed as a filmmaker oh, whatsoever no. from music videos. Um, I have a soft spot for the second film, sorry to cut you off, because no, no, please do. I saw it in uh, Florida with my dad at an IMAX theater right. in Orlando, I think, or, or maybe not Orlando, but... Um, we were vacationing in, in Florida and I always, when I was younger, I would always force my dad to go to the movies with me. Even right. though he's not a big movie goer. Um, but I forced him to take me to bad boys too, cause it was R rated. So I don't think I could have even gotten in, um, without him. Yeah. But, well, it's definitely R rated um, with the bodies throwing out of right. back and stuff like that. <laughs> and really it's obscene like, and offensive, like especially, yeah. you know, in retrospect, um, but, I mean, I like Will Smith and Martin – I think it's actually Martin Lawrence's best uh, performance in the first yeah. one. I think they make him go a little too far out in the second one, and I think that's – Mike Lowry. Uh, <laughs> David Lowry, yeah. uh, director of The Old Man and the Gun. Um, yeah, and then also I've been trying to catch some uh, releases that were either – opening before the festival began yeah or... i power to you i don't know how you got your ass out. i don't either because the nun some was of these terrible. you don't need to see <laughs> you don't need no but one Matt, is forcing you. i have an addiction uh, if like if i was like eric we have to do the podcast the nun is the only thing opening this week we have to talk about it but i was like fuck that i'm not going to see the nun I, I don't know. I barely uh, had to go see Annabelle, the second one. I, I don't know. Well, we saw that together. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing that at a Cineplex in, in Oshawa, actually, right before yeah. uh, the end of August. Um, no, with The Nun, I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect as a cheap B-movie that thinks it's trying to play in a more uh, cinematic realm with the actual aesthetic and location uh, being uh, a Rom- Romanian-based storyline, and they add kind of like, you know, uh, not just a, a gothic ghost story, but they add some sort of, you know, backstory to the main characters. Um, Damien Bashir is just completely phoning it in, and the way that they retcon it back into the Conjuring universe is ridiculous. I, I The whole time I was sitting there, I was like... This is on par with the first Annabelle movie, and I don't know how anybody it's quite a ringing endorsement could, could could like it. I mean, it's making it's made a ton like of money, and it's teenagers, doing really right? really well internationally. But yes, it is made for teenagers. The teenagers that I was in the same theater with <laughs> were, would not shut up during the whole movie. What night did you go? Uh, Sunday night. So I did a back-to-back of that. Sunday, but you did that the early show, not the late show, Yeah, so I went at 7.30, no, 7.40 for The Nun, and then uh, 10.05 for The House uh, with a Clock in Its Walls, which was 10.05. Okay. Yeah. So maybe if you did the later show, I don't know, who knows, but who cares? But I didn't want to sit Um, with any kids for The House with a Clock in Its Walls because it is a kid's movie. Very much so, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, anything else? You just, you I saw actually a couple... really liked uh, White Boy Rick. Right, which as... you were kind of hesitant going in, well, right? Just, just from the trailer. Yeah. Um, I really like Jan Dimage's uh, first film, 71, which is uh, the Belfast right. uh, Irish British right, right, right. Um, rebellion against uh, Ireland in, in the early 70s. Um, with this, 
it's interesting because it plays very much like a, you know the war on drugs 1980s uh drama that has a little bit of that kind of cliched cop informant sensibilities where they get this kid to kind of become a drug dealer and then you know he, he becomes so good at it that he branches off on his own um and his father who's played by uh, matthew mcconaughey uh is almost like a it's, he's almost like al pacino in donnie brasco where he's kind of a bit of a loser, a bit of a, a character that um, is kind of pathetic, but you still kind of feel for him, um, especially because he's trying to do what he can, taking care of his kids who are either addicted to drugs or selling drugs. Um, Richie Merritt, who's a newcomer, is very, very good in this movie. Um, it's a very nuanced, natural performance, and it plays off interestingly, especially you know against actors that are giving more theatrical performances Rory Cochran uh, Jennifer Jason Lee uh, Brian uh, Tyree Henry are all in it but I'd say that the best he's per- been in a lot lately he has uh, with uh, uh, If Beale Street uh, Could Talk uh, Hotel Artemis and uh, Widows he's, he's, he's really good and, and obviously Atlanta as well um, and then also you have a, a Hostiles reunion if you remember that film from earlier in the year uh, the best performance in that film in, in White Boy Rick um, is by Jonathan uh, Majors who plays the sort of uh, local African American drug dealer and he talks uh, to to Richie Merritt's character uh, Rick straight up when he finds out that Rick is dealing in his area and he says like there's if he gets pinched for what he's doing you know he'll serve um as he says black person time yeah that it's that this is this is it's different to white person's time where it's like you get a slap on the wrist you spend only so much time in jail but if i get go to jail i'll be in there for the rest of my life and it's very powerfully understated in in this incredible interrogation scene that you don't really think is an interrogation to begin with um and the way that that plays out, I think Jonathan uh, Majors is somebody to keep an eye out okay, for. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to go see it. That was the other one. I, there was a bunch that I, I haven't seen or I, I took a break um, from seeing stuff. So I did go see House, but I skipped A Simple Favor and White Boy Rick and Fahrenheit. Which I also um, saw Fahrenheit. And I think that there is a good movie in there about the Flint uh, water crisis, but I think it gets away with that from that when he's focusing on the Trump stuff that I do, even though I'm not, uh, you know, in, in the in the Michael Moore camp of being a, a, a socialist kind of the way that, that he's kind of perpetuated his career, but it states the obvious. Mm-hmm. We all know what Trump is and, and, and how horrible he is and it reminded me of an inconvenient truth the sequel where it's just like okay you're preaching to the choir you're not yeah. saying anything i don't agree with her that i don't already know and the people who are going to see this are already, are the same yeah. you're gonna get the liberal white audience that goes to see this and and to michael moore's credit he does make both bill clinton and barack obama look bad in the film and there's a scene where barack obama comes in to declare whether or not um uh, Michigan should be, you know, on on FEMA's list, and they should start bringing in the army to to help out, and 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 it does not make him look good. Like there's a whole bit where he drinks the water there, and and you can see the crowd like their hopes in that moment are dashed completely. Um, so power to him for for trying to be more um, balanced and 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 equal in his depiction of of politics, but. Yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, when he makes comparisons to Trump and Hitler, like, it's it's like, again, we, we get it. Like, I, I, I know it's there. It's it's pretty obvious and it's shocking, but it, it just 
literally tells you everything you already know. Right. Yeah, I think I'll eventually see it or I was more inclined because it was going to play Lightbox right. and then it dropped. Um won't say why, but I have a feeling I know why. But um, well, it's not very good. Well, uh, I I don't even think it's that. But uh, anyways, right. I would have preferred to just kind of go see that at Lightbox than um, your local multiplex. Right. But well, even the credits are pretentious because it's like it starts out these like the opening is of the election and that and again it's like stating the obvious, but it's saying it in a way it's like I can't believe this actually happened. This seems like out of out of a movie. But when the opening credits comes up, it's fahrenheit 9-11 but then the 11 and well he did that in the trailer too yeah and it's just so like he's like just as bad as 9-11 it's just as bad or worse as he betrays throughout the film and and again like the 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 glimpse of hope in that movie is he's showing that the future generations you know the kids who the survivors of of parkland will be the generation to lead us into destroying what democracy is and bringing it back up to a more uh fair and just way and that democracy is a, a, a you know a, a pipe dream really and it's been fabricated in the american landscape right yeah i'll check it out eventually it might be a vod rental for me and that's kind of what uh, it is yeah. it, it, i mean it's good for the midterms i guess but i look at that and i look at the front runner and i'm just kind of like can't there be better versions of these movies coming out that are not just again kind of bland that middle of middle the road, road yeah. that kind of do what they are supposed to but nothing more and they, they're not really that engaging right fair yeah all right let's kick it into the review of the week then yes um so uh the house with a clock in its walls eli roth goes pg um, it's based on a best-selling kids' novel from the 1970s uh, about a young boy whose parents are uh, killed in a car accident. He goes to live with his uncle in Michigan in the 1950s. Uh, what he doesn't realize is that his uncle is a warlock and is played by Jack Black. And it's sort of, I guess we were talking a little bit about uh, before that it kind of reminds you of uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. And... Yeah, and I, I compared it to something I would have watched on YTV back in 1996 on their uh, Fright Nights or whatever they right. used to call them. On, or, or Family uh, Channel has yeah. like all those Halloween Town uh, yeah. mini movies with Debbie Reynolds. It's back exactly in the day. what it, it was like. I know we're getting big budget versions of, uh, and we already have, of, of Goosebumps. Which and, also and, stars Jack Black. Yeah, ironically. And then, um, and are you afraid of the dark and i'm sure that's why he was cast in this is because of goosebumps but um and then we're getting are you afraid of the dark next year i believe which i'm more interested in i think well let's see how they structure that is it going to be an anthology series are they going to tell multiple i feel like are you afraid of the dark was always geared towards like older kids like like teens almost right and then where goosebumps was a little bit younger than that but this feels like it's both shot in canada though yeah i know and uh, that's really cool and this just felt like um a big big budget version of something i would have watched on ytv and right that's both a positive and a negative uh if that makes sense it's positive for i think if if there's any parents listening to this <laughs> um, it, that but... have or but you have nieces and nephews I'm as kidding. well yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I think that like if they're interested in the genre, I don't have any my sister does not have kids I don't have nieces or nephews oh not nieces cousins nephews, cousins cousins sorry <laughs> I'm like, my sister does not have I children. apologize Sarah <laughs> or uh, anyways what I'm trying to say is 
You have younger cousins. Yes, yes. Right. That between the ages of 6 to 11 or 12 that yeah. might be interested in this and this is a good stepping stone right. into don't wanna, the horror Right. You don't want to drop them into Halloween. No, you, you don't want to drop like, them into Hostel yeah. or Cabin Fever yeah, too true. early, yeah, yeah. which are Eli Roth's first movies. But this is perfect because it's creepy, it's spooky, but it's not – um, gruesome in any way, or I mean, there are elements that truly traumatic, but there are yeah. there are moments. That, I mean, I think for us that are kind of weirdly <laughs> subversive, and 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 if anybody has seen the movie, we'll know in the third act there's something in particular that involves Jack Black's character that's kind of uh, horrifying to look at <laughs> in terms of a visual aesthetic. Um, but I do feel that as a exercise for Eli Roth to prove that he can do. Um, family P- friendly, family friendly, PG fair to the studio system, but still be a horror film. It succeeds, yeah. and also it's written by Eric Kripke, who was the original showrunner of Supernatural, and one of the main villains on Supernatural was the demon uh, Azazel. Azazel, who is also mentioned in this movie. Yeah. I don't know if he's mentioned in the book or if this is just directly from Kripke himself, right? Um, which I thought was kind of interesting, and Kyle McLaughlin as well is in this. As, yeah, and as I like. To see Kyle McLaughlin show up, I mean, it's campy, and and that's what I mean. It's for kids, so I I get that. And I just, I don't think I was, I don't know what the hell I was expecting, but like I, I was, I didn't realize it was for young kids, like very young kids. And uh, immediately from the opening 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is for like kids of the same age as the lead character in the movie. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. I probably should have known this. Yeah, he's like, like eight or nine. And some of the, comedy you can or all all of the comedy is aimed towards that age group there's not a ton that is for the parents in the room too but um there's some things that didn't quite work for me we talked about again something we talked about in in the predator of um kind of making fun of disability and there's an element in the movie with a kid who has uh crutches um and i just they play it for laughs again and and i get that but then you're teaching kids to laugh at this this stuff, which I don't like. And um, it that, is very awkward and unpleasant. And that just didn't that bothered me. And I'm like, you're not la- you're laughing at this kid, not with him. And yeah. Like, and we should also and, say that the that character is like a very small supporting role. So right, you don't even get to know about him as a person. He's like literally he, just a prop to make yeah. you laugh. And, and that's and, it. And that's what makes it worse. I mean, not that it would be better if he was the lead, but at least if you spent more time with him, you would get to know him a little bit. Right. Where with this, it's just, again, a, a, a like you said, a prop it's a visual for, gag. And for like, the screenplay, for the screenwriter to, you know, add in an extra cheap laugh. Yeah, of like, oh, he's the last pick, and they pick the kid with crutches over him, and then, he, yeah, he sings. He, anyways. And then it's just, and they call him Speedy and stuff like that. Like, the teacher calls him that. And I know it's yeah. the 50s, so okay, but... That doesn't mean you can make fun of it in a movie in 2018. And well, that's I, how I they get away with it. And I don't it, want right? to it's sound like a social and... justice warrior all the time or right. anything like that. Like that 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 term's stupid in itself. But like, but Eli Roth um, has always been criticized for. I mean, not just his depictions of disability, but also how he portrays women in films mm-hmm. and and usually treats them as as just victims i mean you look at the first hostile movie and you look at cabin fever and you look at even you know the the green inferno and 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 death wish like he portrays them as props and yeah. and it's icky sometimes to watch some of that stuff especially in the second uh hostile movie where one woman is killed 
Bathoria style, uh, you know, gutted is to to be bathed in, and it's oh, just right. oh, that really... is fucked up with the scythe, and yeah, then, or and the one woman who's naked and yeah, yeah, Bathor- death, like it's yeah. it's very much Bathory. Where... And, well, like, and the one woman's frozen as well, or is that Saw? I'm thinking of that, that might be Saw, or maybe that's Frozen. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the musical oh, yeah. Frozen, but the, <laughs> the wolf the, one. Yeah, the Sean uh, the, Ashmore I, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I I think it's perfectly fine and and mostly harmless and, yeah. and enjoyable for young kids probably if they're interested in this kind of stuff and you want to ease them into the horror genre. But I mean, I was mostly bored Same. and um, not overly entertained. I guess maybe you'd get more enjoyment if you were there with a young kid who would be really into it and you see them getting into it and you're like, right. oh, cool, maybe I can show them other stuff when they get a bit older or um or if you see it in imax you can appreciate that they have uh michael jackson's thriller i think that's a cool cool thing especially because it is a a movie aimed at 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 kids and i feel like if if they've never seen that music video before that would be a really cool way to experience that for the first time although i find that's Um, more scary scary than than the movie movie because i mean i remember when i saw thriller as a kid the scene i mean not just the zombies but the scene that freaked me out and i will never forget it just michael jackson well michael jackson <laughs> but at the end with the uh, the cat's eyes oh yeah yeah that terrified me when he when he looks back to the camera um that always was, reminds me of the goosebumps dog yeah we talked about goosebumps. but i just i just remember this chill going down my spine uh seeing that the first time and vincent price rapping so you know you, you can't go wrong now i got a question for you yeah did um the lead uh child actor owen uh, vaccaro Remind you at all of Jacob Tremblay? Yes, 100%. He looks a lot like Jacob Tremblay. 100%. He's from the yeah. Daddy's Home uh, movies. Um, oh, is he one of those Yeah, he's kids. one of those kids. And then you have uh, Sufjan, Sufjins, or whatever oh, Sonny Solcek. Sonny Yeah, from mid-90s. Sorry, I'm thinking of, of the musician from Call Me By Your Name. Right. Um, Su- Suffragan Sol... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the kid from mid '90s is in it as well as kind of a, a and killing of a sacred a, deer, a, a dickish kid. Um, but his character arc, I think, is the most interesting, interesting yeah. just in terms of like what a kid actually could be in terms of a contradiction of in being of that age. He seemed like the most believable character in the movie, right? You know, when you're dealing with and like Kate Blanchett's fine. Oh yeah, we no, haven't even talked about she's her. Mostly wasted. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked her and Jack Black have this kind of you know uh banter banter back well this kind of mean spirited but also you can tell yeah back and forth like when you're so comfortable with someone you you kind of take shots at them they know where to prick each other and and they do it in a loving way but i sorry i raised my hand yes those chocolate chip cookies are fucking good they did i I love how like every it's like she even mentions like you know, most problems can be solved by uh, by chocolate chip cookies and the Ovaltine as well. I thought I was thought funny that was with gonna... the, the, the kids decoder uh, right yeah. uh, thing, which I I kind of like that because like 1950s like radio shows, if you'd listen to them, they would have like oh don't forget to buy Ovaltine and you can pick up this latest you know uh, yeah. toy. It was like cereal boxes where they have the prize right. at the bottom. Yeah, totally. And uh, I just kept thinking about those chocolate chip cookies. I was they like, did look good. Those looked fucking. They had like walnut or something in them, or but they were probably. Or, like, you know, like prop chocolate. It looked chip like cookies. they were eating them. They looked delicious. Well, I mean, when they cut away, but like sure. the close-ups of them are probably. Like, and you, you know, know, there was some professional, yeah, guy getting paid way too much money to make these really nice uh, yeah. cookies. Probably but, like wax on them to uh, do like a yeah, shine. Yeah, totally. And... I, I've done one of the. I did an ice cream shoot once. Yeah, and you could you see all the behind the scenes of how they make that look like it does. But those chocolate chip cookies looked great. But yeah, but even it's... the laughs aren't that like. I mean, even for 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 child standards. 
aren't that great. And you think that Jack no. Black would be someone to elevate the humor, but well, he kind of stays in line. I just rewatched Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and man, that movie holds up. And I think that movie is aimed for kids mostly yes. as yeah. well. And um, maybe a little bit older than maybe the target audience here, but that movie is actually genuinely funny with a good Jack Black performance, I think. Right. And and I think the jokes hold up quite well, and it's an entertaining, fun family movie where I just found this like yeah i guess maybe young kids who who want something spooky for halloween um it could work for but i was just like man i was sitting there and I, oh this is another funny story we both saw it completely alone right we were the only people in our showings for it you saw it at 10 10 on a sunday i saw it at 1 15 p.m on a monday and uh, i had a whole avx theater to myself so it was like and the audio and the projection was off and like um just didn't sound very good and it was uh it was very quiet um i made a joke earlier to you but i'm not gonna (laughs) repeat that um um i don't know man it's it's not awful and it's not bad i think it's perfectly fine it just didn't really do anything for me same it's one of those movies that you'll by the end of the year you'll completely forget and it'll work for for younger kids because again it's it's a movie that you can take them to, and and they might get more enjoyment out of it than than you will, or maybe they'll be bored. Even I don't I don't know. I mean, this is one of those movies where I didn't feel because it's also an emblem film as well. Like that comes up. I like the old school Universal logo. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it doesn't really have any style to it. No, other, than, other than it takes place in the fifties, and that they kind of play up some of the horror tropes that you would expect for, you know, witches and warlocks and spells, but they don't even get into the minutia of that too much. It feels almost like this should have been like the second or third in a series. And, and we spend more time with the characters instead of, you know, pushing the plot forward. It's, it's, it's not even, and I've never been the biggest fan of it, but I mean, Hocus Pocus has this weird following that a lot of people that grew up with it really liked. And I, grew up in that time period and i don't get that movie well and it's but this movie it just i i've said this before with other movies and it's a little on the nose and 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 that but it's ironically missing any magic to right. it right like it doesn't it's not even a spark it doesn't have anything that makes it stand out right. i feel like like it's it's perfectly fine and uh for an october film that you want to take your kids to but i'm like there's better stuff you could probably watch at home i would tell them show them old are you afraid of the dark or goosebumps episodes like yeah you can see ryan gosling on both series yeah like (laughs) just go watch those i feel like those would be more enjoyable or right or just um, the the first goosebumps to get ready for the new one that's what i mean right which i i I probably will um although i would say that that's probably like maybe for like PG thirteen almost like there there's some stuff. I there like that... the first Goosebumps movie. No, it's, I do too. But I, I but I mean for like I wouldn't show kids to, like that are six. Sure, yeah. Goosebumps. Where this is more uh, yeah. for younger kids, right? Yeah. That's fine. And then um another shout out I want to give to Goosebumps. I fucking love Goosebumps. Arl Stein. Um the Goosebumps. Uh, we've probably talked about this before, but the the Escape from Horrorland computer game that I used to play with on Jeff War- Goldblum with, and Isabella yeah, Rossellini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> if you if you don't know, even just YouTube it because like. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Isabella Rossellini are are both in it. And it's just so weird. He plays uh, Dracula. Count Dracula. uh, And it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, But I loved that computer game as a kid. And um, uh, Well, in the 90s, I mean, Goosebumps was such a huge brand. Like, I remember there there wasn't 
a library or school that you would go to that a scholastic didn't, book fair. Yeah, yeah, that didn't have a. Goosebumps I had every book. Goosebumps book, man, and I don't read anymore like anything. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was a kid, I I read like every Goosebumps book, and um, which now it's funny. I would love to pick those up or, or find them somewhere. But there's so many the, of them and variations. Yeah, but I mean the old them. ones right. that we read and the first um, edition. I'm sure you could read them in half an hour because they're giant print and only like what 60 pages or probably right. or 100 pages yeah it's like i mean that. those again like it they're it's a it's a good series for younger kids to get hooked on reading yeah you know and i and i think rl stein deserves all the credit in the world for getting a generation to read i mean even with you know we make fun of things like the twilight uh series yeah they're they're garbage and, and horrible but at least if it gets young kids reading them i mean that's something i well, guess harry potter too right yeah that's the yeah obvious but harry one, potter's though, actually like... the material's actually good good but like... but, and, and 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 rich in in mm-hmm. in its uh continuity and its world building but i'm just thinking of the things that actually got people to read back in the day but like right. I, I even was too not too old i just didn't care but i i saw movies and i was like why the hell would i read when i can just <laughs> wait for you were that person. Could, yeah when i can just watch the movie and i still make that argument to people and they're like you're an idiot but there's some things um, in books that are interesting worth like especially when it's an adaptation of a movie because then you can go back and read the book and then see like oh well this they didn't put in the film version and i mean i talk all the time about the stephen king adaptations where it's like oh that's good they that they didn't have lot, yeah. you know the, the, the kid orgy or yeah the, the kid <laughs> orgy and it or or the, the the ritual of chud um or you know a, a ghost possessing cujo because it's just it's it's dumb and it doesn't make any sense but it's kind of interesting looking at like okay well this is where the adaptation aspect comes into play yeah and i don't i'm fine with that but for me i'm just like well Every good book's gonna get turned into a movie, and right. then, but it's the same mentality as I I would argue with people with video games, right? Too, right? We yeah. talked about Spider Man earlier, and and I have that argument with Last of Us where I say that it's it's it could be the first good video game movie and or adaptation. But then people are like, well, it basically is a movie. Why don't you just play? But I'm like, would you say that to someone who doesn't love reading? Just well, like, well, fucking read the book then, and right? Like, well, um, I don't always agree with the one cliched saying or phrase where it's like the book is always better yeah that's not true that's not always the case because i remember reading jaws uh peter benchley's jaws after after seeing the movie and and as much as i love both the movie and the book i think the movie is better and they made the right choices of what to cut in terms of character backstory and like richard dreyfus's character having an affair with uh roy scheider's character's wife like it just like those things just didn't need to be in the movie and didn't make sense but for a book like yeah you can expand on 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 arcs and storylines like but you I know, with tv as well but... i think that's the that's my problem though too and i hate having this argument with people who who say like oh the book's better than the movie and it right. always is and i'm like i think that's horseshit one because yeah, you read the book. You have these visions of these characters of what you want them to be in your head because you read this, and that's the version that you first read and fell in love with, and and things like that. So, it's that's what you'll always love. And sure, there can be a good adaptation of what you wanted, but it's never quite to your expectations because you made up what those characters right. are in your own head. And I always joked with people, and I'm like, oh, you know how the books are never as good as the movies. Just don't ever read the books just watch right. the movies and that'll be the only version that's in your head and i can't compare and say well the harry potter books are better than the movies well guess what i only watch the movies that might be like an ignorant 
kind of garbage thing to I say. I feel like you should like, have a monocle and like uh, I shouldn't. a pipe to smoke no, I, as you say that. Like just, just n- not just you, a pretentious but the yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Rah, rah. Ooh, um, the book was better than the movie. Uh, which is fine. I, and I get that. You, um, I but, feel that way with it where like I, I, I had a very strong and, and Stephen King's The Stand. I, I have such strong connections to those books because I read them as kid as a kid. But at the same time, I really loved the Andy Muschietti yeah, uh, adaptation, yeah. and I think as a faithful recreation, they did the best version they could. Yeah, and not—I mean, I like the miniseries as a nostalgic piece, but I think that the the newer film is what King envisioned that story to be. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I mostly joke when I talk to people, and I'm like, you know how it's never as good. Just don't read the book, right? Uh, I just—I haven't. I read. Like, I guess I read graphic novels and comics still like a dork, but I right. But uh, you also have connections to those as well, where you will you reference. Oh well, are they going to use elements from that storyline in this? Right. Adaptation? We talked about Venom and being like, well, that's not an accurate. I mean, yeah. I think with these things, you just kind of have to be open to them. You don't want it to be the exact same thing either. That's right. Not, why is that interesting? Like. Then again, you could have just read the book or you could have just played the video game or you could have read the comic book, right? If it's an exact shot for shot adaptation of of what it is, like it's just then you're just making it for people who are ignorant like me and won't read the book or won't right. do whatever. Right? Well, that's but, why Kubrick made his own version of The Shining. Right. right. Like, and that's what I mean. It's, it's taking the material and going, what's my spin on it? Right. Which I think is more interesting than just flat out making an adaptation. And sure, you get people like Gillian Flynn who wrote um the adaptation of 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 her own adaptation right right which that's kind of interesting in itself because it's like does the writer you know adapt to adaptations or does the writer try to put everything that they had in the book into the film version and does that work or not but i think with gillian flynn it she knows what works in terms of the uh the hook of the movie and what yeah. to bring you in, but she also realizes that this is a different uh, format. It's a visual to, medium, exactly, to, yeah. and it's not. It's not. You're not reading it. You're not taking it in. You know, page by page, word by word, sentence by sentence, and and that's where the distinction is. Dennis Lehane does the same thing um, as as a writer, and so does Alex Garland. I mean, Alex Garland started as as a writer. I mean, yeah. he published the the beach, and 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 he's adapted never let me go and so he understand people like that understand that you can't just adapt you know like you can't just copy and paste uh the exact the dialogue and the yeah, same yeah because it doesn't work it doesn't sometimes work. internal monologues a lot a lot of times just don't really work yeah in the same well look way. at gerald's game i mean um, we keep re- uh, yeah. talking about stephen king but that is internalized and there's no way that that, that could have worked as as what it was uh, how and it then was it written. was adapted into an excellent movie yeah like, on netflix yeah. which you can watch right now you should watch it for october um yeah, man, it's – and I'm fine with it. Like, I don't know. Like, there are going to be people who just don't like reading or people who don't like playing video games. Or, or don't people, like watching movies. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So – and then I like that there are ways for you to get this great uh, uh, piece of art or, or content or whatever you want to call it um, um, in different mediums, right? right? Like, I feel like it's cool that – I'm not a big reader. I just don't like sitting down and reading a novel. I don't know why. I just can't get into it. Uh, audiobooks I can deal with sometimes, which are interesting because I love podcasts and I love as long as like they're that, done by but... Will Wheaton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the Ready Player One uh, one was Will Wheaton. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I like that it's accessible to people. And that's why I, I when I have that argument with people of being like, why do you still try video game adaptations? And why are we doing this? Like, the, like even good video games get adapted into shitty movies. And then that kind of ruins it. But I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like eventually we're going to get there. And then it's well, we got to- one this year, which was okay. Tomb Raider. Yeah, I mean, I would like, say just as like, like a straightforward sure. and it is a very and it is movie. very much the, an adaptation of the new, for the most part, the yeah. new uh, the new Tomb Raider series, like down to a T to basically beat for beat. What happens in that movie is pretty similar to the first game. They change a few things here and there, but um, and it was okay. Yeah, yeah that's probably I, I the think best. Alicia the close... Vikander was a, a driving force in that, and that yeah. she you know, but it could have been better. Intellectually win- oh yeah, we 100%. haven't gotten something that's great, and we haven't no. hit anything. And I mean, for the longest time, we kept getting shitty superhero movies until we finally didn't, right? Right. And even as if you, but think it they're... happened a lot quicker. Where like after right. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, the series, and like you know that year where like Spawn and Steel were released in the same calendar year, that almost ki- oh, and it was Batman and Robin. Those three movies were released yeah. in ninety eight, and almost killed comic book movies. <laughs> yeah, and then when X Men and Spider Man you know came back there was this renaissance of of superhero movies but they were both heralded critically and commercially where any adaptation any any video game adaptation um you know whether it be the bob hoskins uh john leguizamo <laughs> uh, super mario brothers i have a soft spot for that movie yeah there's a nostalgic for it, but it's 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 a horrible it's, piece oh. of trash <laughs> uh Den- r.i.p dennis hopper um but there's never really been a good like even just until now, really, until like just a mediocre adaptation of something of like, a video of, game, a video game, and that's what and that's what I'm talking about in adaptations. We've gotten great adaptations of books. We've gotten great adaptations of comic books. We've gotten great adaptations of. Why do you think that uh, is biopics though? and or people's lives? I don't know. Like, and I, I maybe it's just because the the medium is very different in a video game and and the way that you actually have to take control of the character and even though you're not necessarily making decisions that change the story i think a big part of it is still to kind of uh be that character and 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 control that character so maybe when you take that out of it and you're just video games aren't known for their storytelling i would say like a lot of them are high concept and interesting ideas um but none of them we're only getting to the point now where video games are starting to get like pretty solid um stories and 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 sony has been a big part of that and sure there's different studios that they work with with insomniac who's doing the spider-man game and and naughty dog who is known for their really great stories that did uncharted and 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 last of us and and um or with the new tomb raider game actually had a decent story and and that's the first time you've seen them kind of adapt it straight up but then you get the weird things like assassin's creed which is a really high concept and an interesting concept but then they just totally kind of fuck it up somehow and it make it an awful boring and they make most of it take place in the modern day when you're like no one cares about that aspect of assassin's creed right why are you doing that like there's all these sequences in the modern the modern day that you're just like that should be your framing device and that's it and i don't know like I think you're just going to have to get a, a pretty straight-up adaptation of a, a critically acclaimed game, and I keep going back to... And maybe The Last of Us is still too... 
um, niche or too genre y or something like but that. Genre but genre might work in yeah. its favor because if you play within the genre itself, it's familiar to fans and people that know the rules of you know zombie uh, uh, adaptations or storylines, right? So right. you can you can bring in somebody that might be a horror fan that might not have played the video game, right? But you I don't have... know why they can't like they had Neil Druckmann on to write the script, and he was the writer of the game, so he was ad- again like we just talked about an author adapting their own material, right? He was adapting his own material for the the big screen, but I I read things and uh, this story I'm just going off memory of being like he was arguing with Sony Pictures about how it should be handled because they wanted it one way where he wanted to be more faithful to what the game is and sometimes I think you get um, they're a little bit more there's a little bit more freedom I think in in video games maybe to kind of take some risks and do some interesting things where in movies they're like well no we can't do that because that sounds boring or it's not marketable or like um, you'll get studio notes and things like that and him being the creator of the game was probably a little bit more uh, protective and he said Sam Raimi was on his side but it was Sony that kind of wasn't on board with some of it and I don't know what the hell that would have what those notes would have been but you know what I, I'm I'm not quite sure what it'll take and I mean we well, have you're seeing a generation of young filmmakers now being inspired or influenced right. by that like you look at Trey Edward Schultz with It yes. Comes at Night yeah. who very much admittedly has said that The Last of Us and that's inspired the, that's him. the clo- that is the best Last of Us movie we'll probably ever get like right. I don't I think we actually will get it eventually because like Ghost Ghost House is it Ghost House Sam Raimi's production yeah. company yeah. still has the rights to it and, and I think they're sitting on it and i think eventually um get trey edward schultz it'll only take one really good video game movie to kind of like set it off and and to your point there are young directors because video games are still kind of in their infancy right Right. like they well even alex garland's a huge fan yeah and they they um and who else was just talking ben mendelson was talking about at tiff someone did an interview with him and they just started talking about video games and he started talking about yeah yeah. and then and then they just started talking about last of us and they're like oh would you be interested in that movie and he's like i don't think i'm a good fit i mean maybe a secondary character in that in that game but um you seeing you're seeing people who um because again, I, what I'm saying is like these good stories are just just starting in the last couple years, right? right. Before it was Mario, and how the fuck are you going to turn that into like a live action movie? We saw that no, and did. it did not. <laughs> and they're making an animated movie that makes a little bit more sense. And and I guess Wreck It Ralph is and the closest that we got to something that was somewhat of a decent video right. game movie. But look or, how wrong it goes. Like I think one of the really weird, interesting examples is is Max Payne. Yeah, you take a very simple and they, revenge story and they and added it like supernatural, supernatural, which has nothing to do with the game. Like, the game is just a hard-nosed, like, kind of noir-esque, like, revenge movie. Right. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense that they got to add in some Marilyn Manson in it, there and that trailer. And that was, But that it. was a weird time where yeah. we still... So I feel like... <laughs> it's a weird um, time for us all. Video games are still in their infancy, and then good video game stories are very new. So I feel like it'll only take a couple people um, to a young good filmmaker to kind of uh, who maybe has grown up on video games yeah, that and understands, understands them. them and what makes the stories unique and how to make that translate well to film um and i always wanted hideo kojima who does the metal gear solid series to direct a movie but his games pretty much are 
auteur-driven right. video well, games. Well, he is a are, film fan. Yeah, he's a giant film fan. If you don't follow Hideo Kojima, like, follow his English language account on, on Twitter, and he posts his Japanese Blu-rays and posters, and he talks about movies all his the time. His love he, of Mads he, Mikkelsen is just oh, insane. He, he cast him in his next game, man. They're all <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen and uh, what's his name from Walking Dead? Yeah, uh, uh, Leah Sadu as well uh, in Leah one of his Seydoux, other movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, he uh, Guillermo del Toro. He's good friends with. Yeah, he, loved, like, he loved he uh, loved Dolan's mommy as well. Yeah. He, oh yeah. He's a huge like, movie fan. Yeah. And and I always everyone was like, well, why don't you direct a movie? But his love is games too, right? And that's what he's right. good at. He's been making them since the the eighties. And and um, um, a guy who's like in his fifties but looks like he's twenty seven or something too. And really, he's in um, his fifties. Yeah, I think oh, so. Wow. Like I'm pretty sure he's in his is like early fifties um or late forties. Um, but he looks super young. He looks and, like a kid. And yeah, and he's so anyways, my point being there is like Metal Gear Solid, which is very weird and very convoluted and 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 but Jordan Voigt Roberts is adapting that or attempting to adapt that. And I know you're not the biggest no, Jordan but the Boy last Roberts the last fan, but you console that I had was PlayStation Two, yeah. and one of the video games Metal I had Gear Solid 2 was or... Metal Gear Solid Two. It came with that uh, Dark Cloud, yeah, Remember the Zelda yeah, ripoff, yeah, and yeah. then Gran Turismo Three. Okay, yeah, yeah, all great games. Yeah. Um, Dark Cloud was just like I kept thinking I could yeah. be playing Zelda, Zelda. <laughs> yeah, which Zelda is another one that like. I feel like you could have capitalized on the fantasy Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings kind of thing and done a cool Legend of Zelda story. And the problem with the Legend of Zelda is that it's the exact same fucking story every game. Every game. Same with Mario. Right. Right? Like, that's what the thing with video games is just like, it's about the gameplay for the most part, right? It's Is it fun to play? But it's always Link saving Zelda from Ganon or Ganondorf or what it, what in, right. iteration of of uh, someone who kidnaps her, right? It's the damsel in distress kind of thing. Where Last of Us has a powerful female lead. Um, like, it's a, a, a really interesting genre movie with, uh, like, tons of emotion and heart, but, like, exciting set pieces, too. And, like, I and it's – I just don't understand how that's not – a lob ball, like an easy thing to do. Right. Like, why we have a Warcraft movie? Come yeah, on. which was actually not that awful. I hated it. But um, yeah, but I mean, again, you're taking the concept of Warcraft and you're adapting that, and I, I think Duncan Jones did an okay job. It's not a good movie, don't get me wrong, but like when it came to video game movies, I'm like, this isn't as bad as some of the other ones. But then that shouldn't be the the bar we're trying to hit, right? right? Or that shouldn't necessarily be the first one to get the green light. Like right. I feel like a Zelda well, movie of- would. Be be easier to make than a world of warcraft film i think we'll eventually get like a zelda maybe mini series on netflix what about rayman or crash bandicoot those should all just be animated things but like when it comes to um yeah like i I don't know i really i will beat this into the ground until i get a last of us movie and like or just at least a good video game movie that you can say hey it can be done right and then Again, I think it'll be like the next comic book movie thing where people will be like, oh, well, now we can adapt video games right. and, and try and do these well. And, like, I really hope – like, I was saying, like, why doesn't Sam Raimi just do it? Like, why – he seemed like – Well, we were talking about that before, weren't we, where he hasn't really made done a lot anything. of movies so, like, that kind in of, the last 10 years. A big-budget horror genre movie. Like, maybe his sensibilities aren't completely – well, maybe he's just—he's older now, and maybe he just yeah. doesn't want to. Man I think you should get a young that. filmmaker to do it. Maybe, yeah, yeah, again, like a Trey Edward Schultz would be really cool, or um, 
um he's already said he's a fan so yeah so why not do something like that but yeah i i do think once it is interesting though that with every failure that we've gotten it hasn't killed the possibility of still making these movies they're They're still still, trying they're still trying you look at spider-man made uh 200 million dollars in its first weekend right from game sales which is more than homecoming made which is more than most blockbuster movies made it so and that's 200 million dollars uh again these games are very expensive to make these narrative driven single player games and then the other thing you're having is a lot of games are changing to the point where they're multiplayer focused, less story focused. Like Sony is one of the only companies that's really funding story driven single player games. And right. those are the only things that are really going to be adapted. Although, So this is like art house like, cinema for video game uh, fans. No, it's big blockbuster cinema. But I mean the but story like, aspect yeah, is rarer well, yeah. than... I mean, but there's still big blockbuster stories, but... Are there art house video games? Yeah, they're indie video games. Yeah, okay, totally. Um, uh, but like, is there one like like a, a Michael Haneke esque, you know, yeah, more there's kind of well, thing, or uh, maybe not that extreme, like as in uh, art house or eight but and a like, half. Um, but there are a lot of kind of um, indie video games that are are that are story focused and, right. and interesting. There's a great game called Gone Home, which is a first person, not a shooter. You're just wandering around this house, and it almost makes you feel like it's a spooky like horror thing and it's very creepy and you're like searching all these things in these different rooms and learning about this family and this girl who lived in this house but i'll, I'll tell you when we finish right. what that how that ends up but like it's really like it's story based but it's a very small scale game and and um and it's a really beautiful interesting kind of story and um so we we haven't gotten to the place where it's like you know, Bellatar-esque, where it's like you see a character peel a potato and then boil it, and you just watch the I'm sure there boil. are. There's lots of weird video games. There's a, a a video game called My Name is Mayo, where you're just tapping a mayo jar and to open them. <laughs> That's like and the like, episode like, of uh, Rocco's Modern Life, where yeah. they make uh, episodes of this cartoon that they love, and one of them is just a shot of a mayo jar for the whole half an hour show, yeah. and it's considered brilliant. Yeah. So, anyways, I um we got on a weird tangent of adaptations and video game adaptations. Oh, it's cool, man. It's cool because yeah. we started with Spider Man, but uh, obviously that can be adapted pretty well. <laughs> yes, like, um, well, in several versions. Yeah, too. but I, I feel like we will get it, and it'll only take like a um a good young filmmaker that's like sh- sure we're seeing these guys who are big comic book fans, but there's gonna be someone like a if Jordan Voight Roberts can pull off a Metal Gear movie, like. I don't know if he can just because Metal Gear is so strange. Well, and, you're saying and, convoluted and, as well. Yeah, and maybe is, that's going to be hard to simplify or make yeah. it. I mean, like, and he again, still wants to keep Kojima's weirdness, but like, I just don't know how you do that and simplify it and make it mainstream. And we'll stuff make like it a that, spy but, movie. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what. Well, yeah, I it is. But that's what you would boil it down to if you wanted to make. But then there's accessible. giant mechs and there's weird. Um, like like supernatural stuff that happens yeah. and then there's giant yeah i really it's do like, wish that we got the gore grabinski bioshock film like right, that which is what we kind of got with the cure for wellness yeah because he, he took a lot of the the um storyboards and and prop and a cure for wellness ideas. is almost a bioshock movie right and, but now that made me go fuck his bioshock movie probably would have been cool right like and it's weird the movies that they take risks on and then they're very generic 
and then you get like the weird ones that might have been really cool sure it might have failed just like a cure for wellness failed but like at least it would have been cool or maybe critically acclaimed or or something like that but but then the other risk is that they do something like last of us and just completely fuck it up and then sort not ruin it but you're just like fuck some people this is going to be their own well then the creators are 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 more cautious to give their work over to a studio or license the rights out because i mean look at the look at super mario brothers right like after that movie was made universal they, is making an animated well no i mean like a live action version because yeah. after that they were very cautious oh, they, with, nintendo wouldn't let anyone yeah. touch their stuff and they still they've been so cautious we're getting so i'm going on a video game movie tangent now we might as well talk about it we have other stuff to talk to but we'll get there um they're making the sonic the hedgehog movie yes with, i've heard about that Paul yeah. rudd uh, Paul Rudd is in it. Ryan Reynolds voices. Uh, no, he's Pikachu. Sorry, Detective Pikachu, which they're also making. Right. Fucking weird, man. So Ryan Reynolds is voicing Detective Pikachu. Yes, I know uh, all about this. Paul Rudd is in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which is Ben Schwartz, I think, that's voicing. So John Ralphio is voicing um, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, which totally makes sense. But then uh, Jim Carrey's playing Dr. Robotnik. And, um, and that's the, that's it's the, live the action, hair, right? yeah. The mustache and <laughs> With the, the egghead, the yeah. yeah. He's called Egghead now. He used to be Doctor Robotnik. I and, like Robotnik. <laughs> um, and yeah, he has that handlebar Is mustache. In and, uh, I love Knuckles. Knuckles but and I, Tails. I, I and... Tails probably will be, but like because Knuckles was like a later edition, so, right? Yeah, Knuckles was later, but uh, Tails was always there from Sonic Two, um, and then Knuckles was like the Sonic Three era or a little bit later. And then there's so many hedgehogs and different fucking animals that he's friends with. Um, but that's like a mix of lot. So is Pikachu. Pikachu and Detective Pikachu and Sonic are both live action animated hybrid right. movies which is like and then speaking of space jam or roger rabbit or, or something which was like announced that, space jam the, yeah the, the sequel is yeah. going into production now um so that's really interesting because then you're getting weird and then uh illumination is making the i think it's illumination's making the super mario brothers movie right and okay and um or Universal is. I don't know. Well, yeah, is. Universal and Illumination are, yeah, are but I wasn't the way that like, sure, Pixar yeah. and Disney are. So I, I assume Illumination is making the Mario movie, which I guess kind of makes sense. Um, uh, their animation style and kind of fits it. And the minions are basically like I could see them even fucking showing up. They do this thing with the, there's these things called the Rabbids. Do you remember the Rabbids? There was like an animated series on them. They're from Rayman. Okay. They're these annoying things that are basically minions before minions. They're the, but they're rabbits. I probably know what they are. I just yeah. I can't recall off the top of my head. I just remember that Rayman had no no arms. No arms and or I, legs. But he had feet and a head and yeah. hands. But I loved Rayman before. I did too. I, especially when like he would grab onto things and he would kind of like float in midair. Earthworm Jim. Oh, Someone Earthworm Jim. That. See, you know, you know who would make a really good Earthworm Jim movie? Is James Gunn. Yeah. I think James Gunn would make a subversive weird. That would be cool, man. I'm so into yeah, that. Earthworm Jim film. Because Holy like I remember shit. that series being like I remember the crow with uh, yeah. uh the astronaut mask. Yeah, and, yeah. and there was there was a couple other characters like the small dog that would mutate into the giant one. It it was one of those I remember the cartoon as a kid and being like, This is like it almost felt like it was in that same realm as Ren and Stimpy, but not as um, grotesque, even though it did have some stuff that in there that I felt was like, oh, is this content for for younger kids? But I feel that that would be a really good movie. That'd be a fun bounce back for James Gunn after getting yeah. fired from like someone I don't know who the fuck or Clay was. Fighters the movie. Well, yeah, well, Earthworm Jim was in Clay Fighters. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, because yeah. I remember that in the Snowman and Clay Fighters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, 
Oh, what was the guy's name? But I remember how it was pronounced. Like, Mr. I forget what it was. Um, and then uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day was the other one that, uh, mm-hmm. the other game that I played a Which lot. But on, I don't think that's going to ever be an adaptation. That would be a cool animated, like R rated animated movie. Like, right. um, I love Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I, I did too. Uh, it's awesome. Microsoft owns that now. So I don't know how they would handle that. But like, even we've seen the Halo movie drop off and come back on. And the yeah, TV whether it be Neil like, uh, Blumkamp yeah. uh, wanting to direct or Peter Jackson and whether it was going to be a film or a series on Showtime. What's Blumkamp doing now? Isn't it uh, he's got a environmentalist series called Greenland. Oh, he's got Robocop too. Robocop. But he's got, but he also has a film with uh, Chris Evans. Which is like a Michael Bay, uh, Roland Emmerich-esque film, a disaster movie where the world is ending called Greenland. Okay. Which sounds boring. But yeah, Earthworm Jim by James Gunn sounds awesome. That's yeah. the best idea you've had in a very long time. And I don't oh, wow. think anyone... Well, I, I wish I had um, more good ideas. No, I, no. I, you've had good ideas. I just mean this is the best thing or the thing that makes the most sense to because me. Because it, it, would, it, would, it, it kind of would perfectly fit in that Guardians kind of style or milieu where – you have a character and story that on paper doesn't work or, or sounds like you can make fun of it like the way that we did with like a talking tree and a talking raccoon and then all of a sudden it's like it works because gun treats it with not maybe not respect but understands what the mechanics are of something like that and and kind of really plays up his trauma background and kind of makes it kind of like a splattery gross but comical piece and maybe it'll be too oh the rat as well i remember the rat in that uh Mm -hmm. uh series that mutated rat um or biker mice from mars uh but yeah like i think that could actually work as 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 a movie i i'm totally with you i'm trying to find out like who owns the rights to earthworm jim but i don't even know how that uh um Oh, that goes remakes. Earthworm Jim 4 was going to come out. A remake came out, like, in 2010. Um, interesting. Um, I loved Earthworm Jim, man. I remember playing the shit out of that. Um, yeah. I mean, video game ad- adaptations are tricky. I mean, I think we'll get there eventually. But yeah. we, we've seen everything else. Everything else struggled. I'm sure when they started adapting adapting books, people had the same issue of being like, oh, what? this isn't as good as the book and right and, but or, i mean that's still even like, to today where you'll get people that no matter how good the movie is even if it's just a solid adaptation even if it doesn't meet the expectations of what that that reader has thought of it in their head as, as you were saying you know as they've conceived it um it doesn't matter how good the movie is it still will never meet that person's expectations yeah but that's to say with any medium. Like, I mean, I'm Anything sure if you got a Lost yeah. of Us adaptation that was – Last of Us adaptation that was not good, you would be like, well, the video game's ten times better and why so, didn't this turn out yeah. like the video game? Or you guys should go play the video game. Right. Don't, don't watch this. This is garbage. Yeah. Don't do that. So. Don't take I it get, out on the video game. I get it. I get it. Uh, all right. Um, let's go into some new stuff. Sure. Um, we got some big – I think we should start off with – uh, Kerry Fukunaga uh, being announced as the first American director on Bond 25, replacing yes. uh, Danny Boyle. Which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yes, um, we when... talked about Boyle's exit as I think it was being announced. Um, since then, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, who started out as um, 
an indie filmmaker with movies like Sonombre and his adaptation of Jane Eyre. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know his work uh, more recently from True Detective. He also now has the Netflix series uh, Maniac, which is also an adaptation of, I think it's, is it Swedish? The it's original novel, version? isn't it? No, well, I thought there was an original series called oh, Maniac maybe. as well. Um, and then Beasts of No Nation. So now he's moving into the world of spies uh, with Daniel Craig in his final outing as Bond. Um, I think this is a very interesting choice. And especially considering what we've seen uh, Fukunaga, you know, in terms of his uh camera styles his angles the way that he works with his cinematographer it is a script that's being that is written or being restructured by uh uh wade and and purvis purvis and wade sounds like a lawyer (laughs) firm um i think you made that same joke i i I know i've got the the i've just got one joke for each thing but it does it it sounds like a legal firm of some sort um so I do wonder if there will be a rewrite other, either by him or that he'll bring in somebody that he's worked with before to do a polish on them because that's usually how it goes. Because you remember with Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, they brought in like Paul Haggis to do right. rewrites and after well, they I feel laid like down the Purvis and Wade just – they've been writing them since what? Fucking uh, – uh, The World Is Not Enough? Yeah, I think way back It was then. in the Pierce Brosnan era. era yeah. And so I feel like there's the guys that just know Bond and know how to structure a Bond movie and and come up with a decent story and then you get someone yeah like you said to come in and kind of put their spin on it so it's not just those two guys yeah because it's like what john logan did with skyfall you know those guys wrote the, the 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 skeleton of the script and then Logan comes in and gives it gives it the beef, gives it the meat. So and, I could see him doing that, but with the kind of I mean, they delayed it three months, which which isn't that long, which makes sense because they're probably pushed back three months, right? Because and also because they this. want Craig to still have this as his last Bond movie, yeah. Because I think if it was delayed any further, like say if it was like you know August of next year's when they go into production, he I don't think he done. wouldn't be yeah. able to do it because he wants to move on. Well, he's already signed up to do the Ryan Johnson movie, right? Which is yeah. why they push this back. And... But also that can be shot really quickly. Yeah, I know. That'll be shot in a couple weeks or whatever. But yeah. um, I'm into this, man. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think he's a better fit than Danny Boyle. Yes. Um, I think he makes more sense. It is interesting that he's the first American to ever direct a Bond movie in 25 films. And um, uh, I, I mean, I love True Detective. I liked Beasts of No Nation. Um I have to. I don't think I've ever. I don't. I didn't see Jane Eyre or Sinombre. Sinombre is is amazing. I remember seeing yeah. it that at the uh, Cumberland Theater when it was still open, and just kind of being blown away that this was a, a first feature film. That I mean, he he worked in the Sundance Labs on okay. it, but um, it's a really excellent, well done uh, love story in the midst of. Uh, a prison drama yeah i should watch um, it i really i i do like him a lot and i've been meaning to go back i mean jane Eyre is not really my jam but you like, know what I, though like as a gothic yeah uh tale it's got it's got some edge to it it right. has bite so, so i would still recommend i'm still gonna go shot. back and watch it and maniac i do want to watch so you know i i mean i'm i love bond and I, i'm i think he's a good fit and I, i'm right. really curious to see if he'll put his own spin on it and and what it'll be but, i just hope that there aren't any more problems from now until they go into production. Well, that's what I'm worried about too. Because he is still, he's not just, Kerry Fukunaga is not just a jobber. He is a filmmaker with 
a unique stamp and you know obviously there was a lot of uh, back and forth with Warner Brothers when he was going to direct it that's what I mean um, right him so, and Chase Palmer and eventually... when they wrote the, 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 the original adaptation so and he eventually left because he felt that it wasn't working so if Kira Fukunaga again tries to apply um some additional rewrites into the script or or has a, a very distinct vision for because, casting or anything yeah like... because because daniel craig has has made this very clear that he wants this one to be his from russia with love so is it going to be a closer remake or are we going to see something that takes those themes and brings them into the 21st century and sort of looks at you know the relationship between Russia and America. Even like, is is that going to be a, a big staple? Because we don't know what the plot is at this point, other than you know what we've heard through um, you know other parties. But yeah, the broccoli family ca- uh, having hiring him on to direct the movie was definitely um, a, a surprise because you know there were people like Bart Layton who directed The Imposter and American Animals and Jan Damage who actually in uh, White Boy Rick. There's a James Bond uh, joke oh, yeah. in the movie um, were were contenders originally and then up for it again or at least David uh, McKenzie as yeah well. yeah who uh, recently had a little trimming with his uh, Outlaw King so we'll talk about that in a second but I'm very curious I was gonna make a circumcision joke well I mean but... he didn't circumcise the twelve frames that are that ever it, it, it was funny because going off now into outlaw king so outlaw king um so we're done with the Fukunaga we should because i'm excited for it i'm curious but i i hope there are no problems like again that would like they must know like he probably went in and go listen like this is what i want to do so um anyways i don't know yeah we'll see but yeah so outlaw king uh had 20 minutes uh cut cut from the tiff version that we saw um but in the press release uh, at least in the in the one that I read that was from Deadline, um, it said, "Don't worry, the twelve <laughs> frames of fully of, of full frontal nudity from Chris Pine remains intact or circum uncircumcised." So you can um see that in its four K glory. Yeah, uh, yeah. in a couple weeks, set phasers to stun <laughs> or not stunned in most people's cases. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about Outlaw King a little bit last yeah. week, right? We reviewed it. Well, we we even I made fun of it out. being that remember. it was too long and that it's one of those movies where netflix dares you to try to get through the whole film right and i still feel like they make those movies but it would be interesting now to go back and see what has been cut out i don't even think i'll remember i'll watch it again right i mean i don't think i will watch it again um but I'd probably watch it and go, I have no fucking idea what he took out of this. Where movie. with Roman J. Israel, what was interesting was going back to, to rewatch it, even though... Those asshole TIFF audiences, you know? Just, right. No, I mean, I think it's kind of cool when they go back and go, ooh, people didn't really like this. Maybe yeah. I should cut it. Well, he even says in the in, in that release, that it's like, oh, I you know, I, I really respond to what the fans are, are thinking. And, and, you know, so I, I want to, you know, make them... Uh, appreciate the movie more, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recut it for them mm-hmm. uh, instead of saving his own ass and saying uh, maybe it was a little indulgent mm-hmm. at times, which it was. Um, so that's kind of interesting, I, I guess. And again, like mentioning Roman J. Israel Esquire, seeing the cut that we did at TIFF. I never saw the new cut. He it? restructured quite a bit in the third act. And you said he changes things around yes, and moves things yes, around. Yes, and he cut out a lot of the stuff with Colin Farrell's character. 
That's so interesting because I God that movie was. It's not good. It's still no. not good. But <laughs> it was just fascinating to see how a director reacts to a consensus that's not critical. That is an audience sort of well, reacting mix to of it. critical and audience, right? right but I like... say more so the audience, or at least they would say the audience because yeah. they don't believe in critics the way that <laughs> you know Dan Fogelman doesn't believe in in in, in white male critics having emotional uh, connections to his characters or stories. Fuck you, Dan Fogelman. Um, I'm not even with Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, that's interesting. 20 minutes. I mean, yeah, it was too long. So um, I don't know if this is going to save it, though. Like, I right. don't think it's a very good movie either way. But No, I, I don't know what you would cut out to make it better. I mean, unless they decide to go like, okay, well, we don't want it to always be referenced as the sequel to Braveheart. So maybe they cut out the scene. The Braveheart with, scene? <laughs> well, the, the scene with William Wallace yeah. in in the forest or something like that. I don't know. Um so yeah, what what else do we have on the docket? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about all the Joker stuff. Uh, the Love walk- that Joker. The Todd Phillips, um, Martin Scorsese produced Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix. And, you think he's a party and, man? And Zazie Beetz. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, so for those of you that don't know, you can go to Todd Phillips' Instagram to, <laughs> to look at this stuff. But um, I found it interesting that, we've seen so much already like right not, like i mean well it's they because did a, they're shooting I, in on, on location on location so they can't hide it and i think it's the better way to i agree deal with the situation because yeah. you beat them to the punch yes there's still going to be leaked photos but at least, but at least you, you have yeah a an reveal. authentic reveal or uh uh you know um an actual still to to go from that says hey well it's, it's like the comic con stuff they're yeah. getting wiser now where it's like we can't have and warner brothers footage. i mean i'll give them credit that they have been pretty good with that stuff of being like well we know this is going to get out there so let's at least put it out there right. so we don't have to look like the ones that are um like again the comic con stuff they're the only one of the only companies that will still goes and two puts their stuff up on on youtube right away and then so this was interesting where it popped up and and they had the picture of uh joaquin as arthur so looking pretty normal slick right. back hair in a, in a suit looking then, pretty much joaquin-esque maybe yeah. with the exception of the hair right. that looks of late 70s early 80s which right. is the period in which the, time the movie period. is set yeah and then then they had him in full makeup and costume in a little yeah. video yes yeah, scored um, to the who uh, the guess who's yeah. uh, laughing and it it's it was a good it's a good tease of, of what the character looks like, and it's very interesting. And Well, his suit um, looks like – I mean, it's still – the three-piece suit still looks like Heath Ledger's Joker, but the color scheme reminded me of Cesar Romero, where, yeah. like, it's kind of got totally that, agree that 1960s – Purple. Extremely uh, bright kind of colors, and it's yeah. primary – um, Pastel almost. Pastel, but it's weird because I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with Joaquin – I, I like the idea of the the gritty, maybe king of comedy-esque story that they want to go with. I mean, Scorsese is producing the film, but Todd Phillips is the thing that still is the question mark with this because nine times out of ten, he makes movies that are dated before they even are released and the comedy juvenile. the comedy is not just juvenile frat boyish if yeah. you will because he's a he's a frat boy himself um but it's also extremely broad 
Yeah. Uh, the best thing I think he has done is Starsky and Hutch. I'm with you 100. And I really, I, I, and I think that works because he's playing within the period still. Starsky and Hutch almost feels more like an Adam McKay movie right. than it does a Todd Phillips movie. Do it. Um, Do it. Yeah, <laughs> I love Starsky. I'm, I'm a big Zoolander fan too. Or will so. even Will Ferrell uh, popping up? Oh in my that? God, it's the best in the prison. Yeah. Um, it's so good with the dra- your dragon. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, Starsky and Hutch is great, but yeah, I'm kind of iffy on the Todd Phillips thing too, and 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 I would, I would be very excited if Joaquin was the villain in Matt Reeves' Batman movie. I we've seen Batman and Joker a zillion times now, so yes. But I it's would, always interesting um, to see I, what actors are paired against each other because obviously you know Keaton and Nicholson had great chemistry on screen together, and so did Bale and uh, and Ledger. Uh, not so much. Uh, the little glimpse we had with Affleck and 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 Leto, but <laughs> fucking shoot me. But I mean, I would be curious to see if that works. We were talking about this. Uh, we were texting back and forth about it. Where, um, you know, does Joaquin's Joker eventually make his way into uh, Matt Reeves's universe? Because obviously, this takes place in several decades before I think Reeves's film would. Or, or do, do they they keep it timeless? And, yeah. and on top of all of Which that... Which is what the Burton movies did, right? right like, yeah, they were in its own were, world. Yeah, right? I mean, like, the only thing that gave it away was the Prince soundtrack, that it was the 1980s. Um, but it, but the other thing, and I think I mentioned this to you as well, or the thing that I think will maybe set up uh, another one of these movies is that this movie is called Joker. Mm-hmm. Maybe this Joker inspires the actual Joker, right. and it, that's the Joker, well, and that's a concept going back to adaptations that they've been kind of toying around in the comics lately of that there's multiple Jokers or right. multiple like it, like instances of this character and he, he never dies because of that, right? Essentially, right. like it's not always the same guy. It's just... Uh, well, especially so, when you give him a name like Arthur, it's kind yeah. of like, well, he's the Joker and the best versions of the Joker I've always felt are the ones that don't have... Go into his backstory. backstory. And he's just And he don't, don't give him a reason of why he's fucking insane and yeah. doing all this shit like that some people just want to watch the world burn yeah he's he's, thing, right? he's a like, force to be reckoned with and one that can't be reasoned with yeah and um i think there have been some great interpretations of the character and and i'm i'm like mostly on board on this and like i it's still just that todd phillips yeah, question mark so in the dc thing in general yeah. but like I'm fine with well, them doing their... Well, I think the DC their... situation is truly screwed up at this point because... Oh, this... Yeah. I mean, but hopefully I think this... I think with Wonder Woman 1984 and this, I mean, it seems You're like... You're not they... including Aquaman? I, I don't believe that's still coming out, but <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. My I, man. It's so interesting of where that'll end up, but the Joker thing and if it will... It's kind of what we talk about with Venom, though, too, right? Of, like, is this going to tie into anything or is this its own right. thing? And, like, now it seems like they kind of want it to tie because into... Because it's PG-13 yeah. and also... But we were saying that, well, Eddie Is this Brock Joker is a, movie R-rated? I would assume it... I would hope it would be. Yeah. I mean, it is a Todd Phillips film, but, uh, I mean, he's had some If PG-13. they released an R-rated... Batman vs Superman cut. They should do it already. Right, Joker. right. Um, but going back to the Venom thing, but we were we were mentioning which where, I feel like, like we mention every week. We're finally going to see it soon. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Eddie Brock works for the Daily Bugle, right? Yeah. So you would think that that char- that that character would have some association with the Spider-Man universe. 
you know, a J. Jonah Jameson. Well, I think originally they weren't Robbie going Robertson. to because they were going to make it an R-rated kind of its own thing. And then I think someone backtracked and was like, he's one of the most popular Spider-Man villains like in history. Uh, right. Like, how you're going to have a different Venom when you eventually want to use him in, in the MCU. And like you might have had Kevin Feige finally talk to Sony and was like, well okay you guys can have this one but can you please like do this in case we want to use them for something and right like, i guess you already have tom hardy like if you want to bring him or you you do the flash thompson venom which could be cool with uh, uh tony ravioli <laughs> yeah tony ravioli and then um uh which could be very interesting um but weird uh, I don't know, man. It's the Joker stuff. Like, I like the look of him. I, I think do, too. He very much looks like Heath Ledger's Joker yes. when he has the full makeup and the green slick back hair. And I'm like, is this a prequel to Ledger's Joker? Right. And, and, and then like, also you just think as well, like, out, outside of the context of this is that they were both nominated for Best Actor in 2005, uh, Ledger for Brokeback Mountain and, and Joaquin for Walk, uh, Walk the Line. Yeah. So it's just like and, – and Joaquin does seem perfectly suited to play the Joker. Like I always thought the Doctor Strange thing was a weird Oh my god. Imagine if that would have happened. Yeah. Like it Imagine seeing him in Infinity War. <laughs> like <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to no, me. No. He doesn't feel like he would fit that character. Where Cumberbatch almost seems perfectly cast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think – think uh, Joaquin is 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 well cast as the Joker um and it was I was looking over it um because they announced Brett Cullen who replaced Alec Baldwin who's playing so Thomas who is Wayne. that um, so he's a character actor yeah but he was in the Dark Knight Rises as the the politician that Anne Hathaway's character uh really yeah kidnaps and brings to that bar remember that scene oh why do they do that I don't there's know there's so many actors yeah why there's a you... lot there's this guy already know. played a uh, not a huge role, right. but a significant plot point in yes. a Batman movie. Yeah, and now you're gonna have him play Batman's dad. Yeah, That's fucking, I don't understand, man. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But I, but I've no. talked to you about like the casting and recasting of actors in comic book movies. Like, Tom I Hardy. feel that that's pretty lazy as well like i i just wish that there was more i don't mind diversity and inclusion and thoughts of here you go bringing in you more get to people. choose one comic book character from the dc universe yeah. and one from the marvel or just one from either you can't... No, i i don't mind you want to do one of each that's fine i like reading dc comics i also like reading marvel comics right if you want to do one character of each i can suspend my disbelief and go okay batman's playing vulture or right. or uh uh catwoman's playing wasp or or whatever um just batman right. <laughs> just batman returns characters um i don't know man like it's yeah tom hardy's play uh, michael b jordan or uh um i mean ryan reynolds uh, ryan reynolds uh, three or four chris times. evans yeah. um so it's it's very weird and eventually i feel like they find one that actually works for them and then that's what you remember them for right and, i mean well like keaton's interesting because obviously he was an amazing batman and and now he um is actually quite a good villain in the MCU with Vulture. Right. Um, but then but, you look at Ryan Reynolds, even though, you know, he's found his fit with Deadpool, he's, I mean, even the movie and even the character and the way that that character is written, they, they'll they they'll never live down Green Lantern. You know, like that'll always be the joke with, with him not suited for that character. Yeah. Um, I think you're always going to get that. And um, 
it's always interesting because I was thinking, what was I thinking about the other day? Or just I was I just been obsessed with rewatching the Marvel movies and where they're going to go in the future. And I'm thinking of like actors. I was again bringing up the kind of funny guys, but like I was I was I just can't go to sleep on time. So I've been listening to podcasts at night and they on one of the episodes of the Game Over Greggy show in the last couple of weeks, they were casting and talking about what they would want their uh, MCU X-Men movie to be and they couldn't come to an agreement of like how much they should change X-Men should it be completely radically different because we've seen kind of we've had so many X-Men movies all kind of doing the traditional X-Men story which is now out on 4k yeah uh, the, the 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 original trilogy I've had them set. on 4k for a while on iTunes all right physical physical <laughs> media Matt. um and I thought it was interesting because they couldn't come to an agreement on like how like what the X-Men, how you should introduce them and, and, and how drastically different they should be or how young they should be, or should it be professor X and Magneto again? Should they completely go away from that? Or, or is that the crux of Let's the get a morph movie in there? That, morph. That's a joke on their <laughs> podcast too. What Nick, Nick always goes morph yeah. from the cartoons. Well, I love um, when he when spoiler alert for the nineties cartoon, when he's killed in the, the, the pilot episode and they're like, Oh no, not morph. <laughs> God, God bless Morph. But then he comes um, back in the late later season. It's like I never die. There's that scene of Wolverine just going Morph. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. And then thinking of actors who would play them, I think Fantastic Four makes more sense to introduce before the X Men yeah. because I feel like that's an easier fit. I but... don't. I feel so bad for whoever is going to be casting or who's <laughs> Sorry, going to be playing I'm, Wolverine. I'm laughing. Yeah, I don't think you do Wolverine right away. I think you kind of sit on that for a while. I'm laughing because in typical DC fashion, we started talking about Joker and we're like, Marvel! <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Morph! <laughs> yeah, just talk about Marvel movies. Um, anyways, but the the Joker stuff I'm curious about. I just, ugh, I don't know, man. Like, it looks kind of cool from this. I want, I want I to be excited, like it, yeah. but even the cinematographer is the same guy who shot the Hangover movies. And I'm just like... Uh, those movies look like shit. Can't wait to get a long intro with a song by uh, whatever popular artist uh, is of yeah. the moment, and 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 a song that maybe is already. Dated It'll probably by be something from the seventies or eighties, though. I'm assuming. Well, I would hope so because at least if you could keep it within the seventies and eighties, I could, I could give you that. But as long like I just feel like there will be some sort of repetition with you know, crossing like Tarantino's. Uh, discography or something like that the way that he uses music because Todd Phillips again tries to you know emulate those filmmakers that make music as vital as uh, the the actual you know score and and, and soundtrack itself so right. we'll see I mean will we, will we get a, a number of early 80s hits will, will we get their uh, a Duran Duran song in there perhaps or uh, tired of uh, towing the line on one hit wonder like will those be the songs or or will is is the guess who's laughing an indication of what kind of music they'll I feel like it play be. because that's also very on the nose it is but that made sense for a camera test yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like if in the if, movie, if but... Smokey Robinson's uh, tracks uh, of my tears or uh, tears of a clown starts playing <laughs> in, in in that I'm gonna be really pissed it's gonna take a yeah anyways uh. You wanted to talk about the foreign language Oscar stuff. Yeah, which we I just, a just bit really earlier. quickly because we did talk about in our four epper, four epper, uh, our four epper episode, uh, our four hour episode. Uh, one Epic of the films so. we talk uh, talked about was was nonfiction, mm-hmm. and nonfiction is the uh, Olivier Assayas ebook uh, movie. Now it's interesting because France. Uh, 
decided to cut it from the shortlist or disqualify it. Uh, the reason being that it was not going to play in its country of origin before September 30th. It's opening, uh, I believe, at the beginning of next year. So it didn't make the shortlist because of that one reason. And I feel that that reason for being disqualified is a joke. You know, joker, mm-hmm. joke. Um, I, I think that that movie deserves to be considered alongside films like Climax and Custody, which are both in or were in, in the top five. I think it's Memoir of War that was ultimately submitted. Um, but it just makes me wonder how like this works in terms of like how a movie gets submitted in country to country. Is, are they the same rules? I feel like we could probably look this up, but we could talk about it instead. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because we we talked briefly about this while we were sitting in the the green room waiting to do your um, uh, your show earlier today, and where we um, talked about Green Book. Yeah, we did, and um, like we haven't talked about all things TIFF at nauseum. Um, but yeah, I I'm curious too because I was like I I don't know the specific rules, and I'm like okay, can an English language Canadian film or Australian film or UK film? Uh, Irish film um, make the cut or does it have to be in a foreign language I know it's called the foreign language Oscar right um, yeah how that selection prog- uh, process goes because we just heard recently what the Canadian selection was and I'm uh, blanking on the name sorry but... yes same uh, but but you I mean we were also joking it doesn't matter because Roma's got this right you know, and it really does up. yeah and as much as I mean I talked last week of why I didn't like Roma but I can at least admit that I know that it that's going to win and, and right. like if it doesn't I will be shocked right because I mean it's uh, probably going to get a best picture nomination that's what I mean too. And, and that doesn't happen very often either no the I last mean, time was a more yeah and um, so I think that's kind of a lock. So what the other four nominees are, sorry, it's nice to get nominated. You're right. still like, uh, I mean, I'm sure it means a lot to a lot of these countries too, right? Or it doesn't and they go, who gives a shit about the Oscars? Well, I think but... to some it does and then to some it doesn't. Like I know sometimes it can be a, a struggle even to submit a movie on behalf of the country because the country just isn't interested in, you know, film and artistry and that kind of stuff in the same way that you know maybe some other countries are are more artistically minded i was thinking a couple years ago there was uh, the forgiveness of blood which um was a romanian movie and they had a really hard time trying to submit that for best foreign language film and i don't think they they ended up doing that but it I was wanted... because it was an american mm-hmm. filmmaker directing a romanian based story right um who did the sign language movie a couple years oh, ago? oh the tribe did the tribe get nominated no and no. what what country is it from? Uh, was it the Ukraine or Yugoslavia? The tribe rules. Okay, the tribe so. is great. If you have not seen the tribe, it's a movie that is completely uh, told in sign language. So the movie does have subtitles, but it's silent, and you 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 get the perspective from the main characters. And it's just unnerving, but it also plays like a Martin Scorsese gangster film. It's awesome. Um, Ukrainian. Ukrainian, so I was right. Um, What is also interesting about that filmmaker, who I cannot pronounce his name to save save my life. Miroslav Slaba... <laughs> Sorry, you sir are a very talented filmmaker and i really want your luxembourg film to come out soon i hope Man, yeah. i hope it, i was hoping it would this year for tiff but i thought so too so i got mixed up of the tribe right and um and uh, uh the, the, the tribe and what was the other uh the 
it's like a Spanish movie we saw. Oh, the clan. The clan. Yes. So I kept getting those two mixed up. So when I heard this year that there was a new film from the director of the clan, you I thought, thought it was from the director of the tribe, tribe and I yeah. was really excited. And then I was like, wait, I did not like the clan at all. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, but uh, Luxembourg takes place in Chernobyl. Um, and it's supposed to be a, a, another genre movie, although there's not too much known about it. Other yeah, than they shot around that area, okay. which is incredible. Um, considering even even to this day, it's still uh, an area that's hard to get any access to. Except for that horror movie, The Chernobyl Diaries. Fuck that film so hard. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the theater, and I just laughed. There's a bear in there. Oh my god! It's just it's... like a mutated bear. Yeah. Oh, it's boy. not as good as the one in Annihilation, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, bro. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's Roma's to lose. I mean, if it doesn't win, I will be utterly shocked. Um, well, what could beat it? I mean, I think a, I think Cold War is the only thing that might have a shot. And that's only if, like we were talking about earlier, if the Academy goes well. Uh, Roma has a Best Picture nomination, so we don't need to. Uh, well, also Alfonso Cuarón has been lavished in in yeah. awards already. I mean, look at you know the success of Gravity, right? I mean, he's had his share, but I I, I like Alfonso Cuarón enough, and I I don't think that should be the factor in deciding whether or not someone wins an award, whether they've won before. I think it it should be the work, and whether or not you agree or disagree, that's 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 fine. That's a a critical opinion and a critique. But if the work is worthy, that's what counts, you know. So, you know, someone like Alejandro González Iñárritu has five Academy Awards now because one of which was an honorary Oscar he got for his um, virtual reality uh, setup that he did at Venice, I think, last year. Um, you know, can have five. Why? Why can't we give Alfonso Cuarón another one? Mm-hmm. Which would be very interesting because it would be like. Three Mexican filmmakers and Damien Chazelle in the last like five years <laughs> yeah. to win Best Director, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, man. It'll it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. It's it's always fascinating to me in this time after TIFF because we've seen most of the major players now. But there's some stuff like... we haven't. I mean, we I think we mentioned it before. We haven't seen the favorite, which is going to be playing, which has played uh new york we we haven't seen oh, it's this friday oh this it's friday uh so we haven't seen uh at eternity's uh gate the vincent uh van gogh biopic uh there's still a couple films that are very much buster scruggs buster scruggs um the adam mckay uh dick cheney biopic vice so there's still some stuff that's kind of like that question mark in terms of like year-end consideration um but i think we've gotten a a decent amount in terms of like knowing what's going to play what's not obviously a star is born green book um if beale street first man all have their fans some more so than others some more than what was expected but i think yeah i think the narrative has kind of become more in focus roma all those movies are probably going to get there right? yeah and it would be the... interesting to see how something like uh black panther factors into all of this now yeah considering we... that they got rid of oh did the... we even talk about that that they got rid of the popular thing i don't I, think we did i thought we, did we, we might have i've blacked out i don't know i, I can't talking. remember during these these podcasts you normally tend to like well because just... tiff was in the middle there right I was like, did, we, did that happen during tiff or before Well, if we didn't cover it the academy <laughs> awards cut their uh best popular film for the foreseeable future for the foreseeable future which means we're probably that was a 
bad idea. We should not have done it. Um, so this means 100% now that Black Panther is going to be competing for Best Picture and other movies like... And will it get in? Uh, yeah. yeah, A Quiet Place. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't think Avengers Infinity War will get in now. Yeah, um, or Fallout. Or like, Fallout. I, I mean, or... I think you'll see a sort of campaign for Fallout and yeah, Black Panther. Yeah, I think Panther. Fallout will show up in the technical categories. Yeah. Um, like, I hope it gets in editing. I really hope it gets in editing. Um, it was also interesting. Did you hear about how Macquarie would, like, literally ask uh, the production scouts for a location and then write the scene based on what they found in terms of like a cool location that's awesome that's like really he would cool. write it like the day before they would shoot and that's how like they put the script together that's so cool yeah. that that's cool because like people do that with writing to music or like tarantino does that right he envisions a song to a scene and kind of writes a scene based on that so that's interesting with the script stuff instead of envisioning where you want to shoot you go look he writes cool... it around the location yeah that he they goes find. well that's a really that like i can just picturing the cliff scene at the end yeah. of the helicopter find me stuff, a cool like... cliffside location yeah. and then right. when we find it i'll write the scene i'll say and... the helicopter yeah. will go from up there to down here and then i'll i'm not going to spoil what happens but like right. it's awesome <laughs> yeah it's really good but yeah it'll be interesting i think it'll Bob... leave you <laughs> i think um black panther has a good shot of making it in there uh, and i do being, too I, and I being think... the first uh, marvel movie for superhero movie yeah. to be nominated for best picture but... i think if like a hundred like a hundred percent if i were to put money into where it will get in nomination wise um i think song a hundred percent does michael b jordan He's he's on he's on the 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 periphery of best supporting. I mean, actor. we have seen supporting villain roles. With yeah, Joker. Yeah, he, he but you Joker. also have a number of other actors as well now that are kind of putting their weight into supporting. supporting yeah. Um, but I also think costume. Uh, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, be there. Set design. Set design. Um, with with Michael B. Jordan, I would love to see that, but I think for sure, Mahershala Ali, Timothy Chalamet, Sam Elliott. And um, uh, Richard E. Grant are the four that will probably be in there. And there's one up for grabs, whether it be Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther or somebody else. I mean, like, there's still, again, you know, will Sam Rockwell show up again for supporting for Vice as as Bush? I mean, that's feels like on paper that that'll work. Yeah. Or, 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 or Daniel Kaluuya. For, for Widows. Who oh, is shit, yeah. Amazing in that movie. And the also more people, in Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. And the more... <laughs> could you imagine? It's like it's like he gets on and he's like, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but the more people see Widows, I think the more people will love both him. As a villain Elis- performance, well, like, I mean... And, but in a supporting performance, too. But also mm-hmm. him and Elizabeth Debicki. I think those are the two that will get more traction as more people see it. Viola Davis, too. But, well, I mean, Viola saying, Davis already... Ha- like locked. <laughs> like, I think she's locked, but I also think that, like... Just even on the trailers alone, it's like you yes, know this is it's a, going to be a yeah, great performance. Where it's where like Kaluuya did, and Debecki are kind of surprised when right, you're watching it because you kind of you're, you're kind of introduced to to uh, Kaluuya from um, Get Out, which he got an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. So it's kind of a surprise. It's like oh shit, the guy from Get Out, he's terrifying, and this is a completely opposite performance from right. his work there. And then Debecki's still kind of an up and coming discovery. So with her, it's like, who is this? I've never. Oh, 
you know, this the man from Uncle. Okay, I didn't I didn't put two and two together. So it, those two will probably be will benefit when mm-hmm. the movie starts really getting seen by Academy members and other press and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Now. I have a little surprise for you. You don't know I'm going to do this. Oh, God. So for those who are listening, Eric's turning 30 in a week or two uh, after this. Um, I worked with your mom on putting together something that we can go do for your 30th birthday. And I wanted to talk to you about okay. it right now. So I just wanted to let you know. All right. So. <laughs> Thanks, Bev. We Yeah. I worked with your lovely mother, Bev. And I think um, I came up with a cool idea for something that we can do on your 30th birthday, my friend. Okay. Lay it on me. We are going to go to New York City, to the New York Film Festival, to see Buster Scruggs and the Orson Welles movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So nice. it's already planned. It's booked. We're going from October 7th that evening until the morning of the 11th. I already bought tickets to Buster Scruggs and uh, what's the Orson Welles The movie? other side of the, the of wind. Of the wind. It worked out perfectly. Both movies are like ones at night, ones at the day. You've both never, Netflix films. Both Netflix films. You've never been to New York, right? Nope. So I thought we'd go down there for a couple days or, for your Man, your this birthday. is awesome. And go to Alamo Draft House to see Venom. <gasps> yes! <laughs> yeah. So so it's like a it's a, like a big movie trip for your 30th birthday. I thought that was perfect. I'm excited. Um, Thank you so much. Um, so I worked with your mom and, and um, I... I planned it all, and um, uh, I, I was talking to her about it, and, and we were like, oh, let's try and do something uh, cool for your birthday. And I was like, oh, we could, like, you know, get together with some people here at a restaurant or right. something like that. But I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm like, I am I have the flexibility right now, and, right. And, and I made sure that you had those days off, too. Right. So I wasn't sure if you knew what I was trying to plan. But um, we're going to head down on the Sunday night. Uh, we're going to spend Canadian Thanksgiving or your birthday. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I thought we could go to Draft House. We can go to the two New York Film Festival movies and then come back home after that. And then nice. I thought um, there's some other stuff we can check out. I know you've never been if there's yeah. anything you wanted to. And um, and I was funny because we were talking about some other movies we saw. And I'm like, it, it, it totally worked out because um, there were two films that didn't play TIFF. Right. And they were playing um, – one night and then the more the next morning um, yeah. at Alice Tully Hall, which is their big venue, like their kind of Princess of Wales venue um, in New York. And uh, we're staying at a, I'll show you the place after and um, and, and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> Thank you. So I, is, that, that is fun. awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, so. it's, uh, yeah, I, I've never, this is a really wonderful gift. I've never, I thought for your 30th birthday, it would be cool. Right. Yeah. And, and we've always wanted to check out draft house too. And, yeah. and um, see if we even grab some steaks. Yeah. Grab some food and, and watch venom. So <laughs> I, I hope they, they're playing it. I have no idea. I'm sure they will, but, but um, we can see whatever. I mean, no, it I, like, matter, if, yeah. if it, if it comes down to, I thought that was like the only thing we had. Cause it was either, that or stars born or whatever else right. comes out that weekend and um yeah. oh I, weirdly they had beetlejuice playing the night of your birthday but it sold out already Damn and it. i was like that would have been fun because that's also the 30th anniversary yeah. of that movie right so that would have been perfect and it has but, my boy in it Michael yeah i know Keaton. dude i i was so mad that like it's already sold out hey, man but, it's that's um, totally but we can fine. go see venom or yeah. something fun like that so um and just get some shake shack or whatever the hell oh the yeah the burgers wanna, yeah yeah it's, it's oh yeah or whatever else we want to go do so it's we'll do um monday tuesday wednesday and then come home wednesday night okay so yeah um i'm down and then 
pretty much movies every day, but um, so we're not sick of festivals. No. And you've never been to the New York or New York Film Festival. No, too, you right? have. So I have. It yeah. was 2013. Yeah, also saw a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Did not see an Orson Welles movie last right. time I was there. But, yes. Um, <laughs> Orson so. Welles still making movies. Yeah. So anyways, man, happy birthday. Thank you. I, I, uh, I was going to wait until closer, but I'm like, I also want to give you time to like get ready yeah i mean it's not like we're only going for two days you don't really need to right. pack anything but um i should uh, bring a toothbrush uh, yeah um but just to kind of i didn't want to tell you like it was either now or next podcast probably right. which was next weekend right before we probably go or something like that or or i don't know how we'll work it we'll work it out we might be a little late that week but because we'll probably want to talk about um we'll buster scruggs uh, and yeah. we can uh, even bring Orson our mics and maybe even podcast there um, yeah but yeah, that might be a pain in the ass. Probably just do it when we get back. Um, right. But anyways, we just tweet about it. Big three zero. I know. It's it's weird. Like, I don't know where it goes, man. Like, it feels like every year gets quicker and quicker. As I thought that last night when I was sitting there and, like, in bed or something. And I was like, fuck, where's the time go? I know. Well, even this year. Like, I remember we were prepping for – we were, like, talking about, like, what movies could play at the festival at TIFF this year. And then all of a sudden it's like – Oh, it's over. It's over. It's done. Yeah. And now we're like... That's why I'm, I'm jonesing. That's why I was like, you know what? We'll go down to New York for two days. I, I wanted to see the favorite, but they... It, what's what's interesting about New York is that um, they don't really do... Re, they do some repeat showings, but right. they're, they're opening night. They're literally showing eight different screens of the favorite only on the opening night this Friday. And there's no, they might add a screening and I'm like crossing my fingers. They randomly add one for, well, if they do, the I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I know people. As I know. Well, so. I, I, I also thought of that too, where I'm like, I could just not get us tickets. But then I was like, happy birthday. You have to figure out our ticket situation. <laughs> Uh, so I just bought us tickets. They're reserved seats and everything. Excellent. So it's um, well. It, thank you, Matt. Cool. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. I mean, it's it's. Thank your mom too. She, I will. She I will. I will. Uh, and, um, you know, it means it means a lot. I mean, especially because you know, you're my best friend. <laughs> you're my best friend. Uh, yeah. So I thought it'd be fun for us, and we haven't really uh, uh gone and done something like that. And for your thirtieth birthday to do something, uh, yeah, a little bit bigger than just kind of getting people together here right like right that, which, which is fine, you'll do anyway uh, yeah and we'll do anyway but um no this um, is this is really this it's is cool something. i think you'll like it like yeah. shake shack's awesome new york's a great city and it's very it'll be nice and like cool ish so it's not so hot because it gets balls hot at in new york sometimes and um um new york fest is is fun and two films we we didn't get to see at tiff because right. they didn't come right and and, and one of which i mean yeah, I'm, I'm totally excited as a film buff for uh, the, the the Wells movie, um, but a Coen Brothers film needs to be uh, be seen on the big screen. Yeah, and that's you why know? I was like, uh, you know what, it might open here. Like, you never know. Like, Lightbox is playing Hold the Dark, uh, right? Which so I won't, I wouldn't be surprised if we we'll probably get Roma, Buster Scruggs, um, and a couple other maybe guys, twenty two like, July as yeah, well um, at Lightbox because they seem to be um, pretty good partners with with TIFF. But well, especially the movies that they're releasing now because I mean, like even something with you know the the Irishman coming up, it, it feels like well now is the time that we need to make these Netflix films feel more like a theatrical experience where you can go to the theater and see them and it's cool to see hold it like hold the dark is playing draft house yeah while, like while we're there and jeremy Saulnier is doing a q a like right before we get there um um so it's cool to see that they they are doing that and right. I, and, and it's actually the best of both worlds that 
it has to play Lightbox because Cineplex doesn't want to play them, right? Right. So then I'm like, great, I get these movies that I want to see in a theater at the best theater, or we get to go to a cool theater in, in New York to see them, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought seeing the yeah, and then and then the Orson Welles movie, I was just like, it was playing the next day, and I was like, yeah, why, you know what? We're never gonna get another shot to see an Orson Welles movie at a film festival, right? So. Or ever on uh, the yeah, big screen, unless yeah. it does play at, at Lightbox, which I'm sure it might yeah. as well, but because um, there's the doc as well that's coming out yeah. from Morgan Neville I believe yeah which trailer just dropped today yeah. and uh, I didn't want to hint too much but um, I know you wanted me to keep it a surprise but I wanted to tell you a right. little bit early so yeah I, I mean was... I, I again like uh, 30 it's it's kind of a big deal like it feels I mean any you any know, decade decade yeah. but it just it's weird because it's not like do I have to be like do I have to adult? Do uh, I have be to an be adult? responsible? Yeah. Like, or or am I responsible? Do like it's it's so many questions now. It's like where am I in my it, like? It's an existential question that keeps pondering in my in my brain. Like, what does thirty mean now? It, none of it means anything. Oh no, just, no. I mean, age is but a number. But right. it's just it's interesting once you get to a, a a milestone of like you know thirty or even forty. It's like does that mean the same thing that it did? You know, when when our parents were growing up, or when uh, generations before that, it, it feels like thirty almost is is like a twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, yeah, I remember my dad just turned sixty, right? He's right. exactly double the age of us, basically. But... He's, he's he gets those senior discounts. Oh boy, he loves it. Um, he's on a fishing trip right now, so that's why we get my parents' house to no one to bother us while we podcast. Um, anyways, dude. Uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah. We'll do one more podcast before we go and maybe preview our trip and maybe we'll we'll plan. I wanted to plan a bit with you as well and right. not just be like, we're going. You have no idea what the fuck we're doing. So, um, that, <laughs> that, Surprise, that's motherfucker. So, yeah, that's so much pressure on me. I'm like, even I like, again, I planned, uh, I did a big birthday for Nevis last year. And then um, oh, that that um, birthday was amazing. Yeah, thanks. Like, <laughs> like, it was so much fun, but at the same time, you could also tell that you know like everybody was having a great time um you know like just seeing the love that people had for nevis was just so wonderful and the catering and everything that you took care of was i, I no was need wonderful. to my own horn she's she's amazing and, and it was fun to plan oh, so 100%. That's why, and that's why it was fun to plan this too and i this was like in the last week or so it kind of just uh like Click. I was clicked. I was like, you know, I, I saw a tweet. Sorry, I'm going to go on. We can wrap up in a second. We'll probably talk more off air about this, but like, and we'll p- talk about our trip next week and what we plan on doing and what we'll talk about. But, um, it just, I saw a tweet, I think come up that said that they added a showing of Buster Scruggs. And I was like, Oh, when did they add one? They added like an eight forty five showing of it. And it had tickets. Cause the other one was on standby. Most of the big movies at New York are on standby already. And, um, I was like, oh, it's the day after Eric's birthday. It's on the 9th. So basically, right. we'll go there. We'll have all day on the 8th to kind of relax and do whatever we want. Probably go to Draft House that night. Yeah. And then um, then the 9th at 8.45 is the is Buster Scruggs. And I looked, and they had tickets. And I'm like, oh, man, like uh, this is tempting. And then I was like, I got to try and figure this shit out. So I spent like the better part of a couple days like, because um, it's expensive, too, to right. go to New York. So I was trying to do it. Uh, no offense to you like no no i get, I, I mean, I get like, it i think any tri- to, like any trip any tra- travels outside of a, a country i just is, wanted to make it sure adds. it was manageable for both of us right. too right both for a gift to you and um working with your mom on on that side of things right. and, and and or your family and then on me on my end too and and um it's an expensive city to go to and i didn't realize when i was trying to plan it that it's um our thanksgiving is their columbus day so it's a right. holiday 
And so all the hotel prices were jacked up because of that. Cause I was looking at stuff in the next couple days and it's like, not that bad. Right. Um, but the hotels for the week that we wanted to go are, are expensive. And that's probably because of the film fest and because of the holiday and stuff like right. that. But, um, but yeah, I worked it out in this hotels. I'll show you it. It, it's, it seems like it will be funny or interesting. Like right. it's, it's, it's not, it's got great reviews and it's a good hotel and it was expensive, but, um, not too expensive. I don't want to, uh, anyways, I'm, I'm rambling, but it should be fun, man. I'm It'll excited. Good, I'm, yeah. the, the, the sh- I'm still kind of like in shock. It's like, I'm going to New York. Yeah. We're going to New York. Uh, next, New York city next weekend, next Sunday we'll go. And, uh, it's next Sunday, right? Yeah. 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 So Holy next Sunday shit. we'll go. And, or no well it, now i get the venom thing because i remember you were yeah, like do I, we go to the press screening or not and i'm um, like maybe you can just skip that yeah so it'll be next not this weekend coming up but the weekend after right. we'll go on the sunday night and um god damn uh yeah that's why venom i was like we could go to the press screening but we could just go see it at draft house so right. um depending we can talk about that what we want to do but um Anyways, I think that uh, wraps up this episode. Yeah. So, but you're turning thirty in, uh, in February, February, so, so I gotta start thinking <laughs> now. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the hell. Uh, I'm I'll pretty, talk to Nevis. Pretty easy going. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, this has been the fifth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, each and every week, Eric and I kind of get together and shoot the shit about movies. Uh, you can get it on podcast services everywhere at usually nine a.m. We haven't been the greatest at that, but right, but nine a.m. on Monday, you'll get it on Monday days or it, right. we'll let you know We're consistent on a weekly basis you'll get an episode a week yes. and we'll let you know on at untitled underscore cast on twitter yes uh when you'll probably be able to get the episode but we're gonna Available aim on itunes google play stitcher stitcher everywhere you can get a podcast i can give you the rss feed if you really need it to input it into your own service or uh, at untitled so uh yeah you can follow me um at matt Rohrbeck, and you can find more of my work on in the seats uh cineplex and um just around uh, uh around the globe on the city uh, just want to take another good look at you. <laughs> uh, I'm Eric Marchin. You can find me on Twitter at EM6211. And uh, you can uh, watch more of my reviews and cinema scene at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back to talk about our trip and what we've planned over this week uh, after we've discussed it. We're yeah. going to talk about what comes out this week. Uh, this week, the two major releases are uh, Smallfoot and Night School. So we'll talk about something next week. <laughs> there's also, I mean, in Limited in the U.S., there's The Old Man and the Gun. And I think uh, The Sisters Brothers is playing in the U.S. now. That doesn't open here until October 5th. Oh, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about something next week. Who yeah. knows? I'll probably ramble about video games or uh, the Arby's that we just ate. Right. So see you next week, guys. Bye.